Hi, welcome to a new episode of Riva Podcast. Um, today is a very special day for us. We have a very special guest, Kobe Carp, founder and owner of Kobe Carp Architecture and Design. Hi, Kobe. How are you doing today? Now that you're here, I'm doing phenomenal. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as you know, we produce engineered hardwood floors, and on our design process, we focus in creating sand spaces, creating tranquility through our floors. How do you see the importance of hardwood floors and other surfaces as part of your designs? So for me, the number one, thank you for coming here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you, your whole team here. It's very nice. Um, look, for me, hardwood floors um, are very important. I grew up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where most of the floors that we had, and we still have today, are made of wood. Some of it is uh, natural wood. Some of it is uh, matte finish. Um, sometimes uh, people spend time and energy to seal them and give them materials. But it ultimately, when you walk barefoot or not, um, the material on the floor is what ties you back to earth. And my first degree is environmental design. So for me, sustainability and resiliency is part of the DNA of design. But most important is if you can walk barefoot on a floor that feels, you know, uh, your body temperature whether it's cold outside or even if it's hot outside. Here in Florida, I live in a house that's uh, 1929, wow. and uh, it's all wood floors. So I walk on wood floors that essentially are 100 years old, which to us in the United States, it sounds like it's old, but in reality, it's not that old because it just stays in perpetuity within the design. European uh, floors are mostly made of wood, and they last forever. There's so many houses that has over 300, 400 years old and most of them are wood. It's definitely a sustainable product. It's a product that you can keep using. <clears throat> but I feel that in the last couple of years, wood have gone from an element of construction to an element of design. Mm -hmm. The trends are changing, the textures, the way it's produced, the way you can play with it. Um, where do you see it going? Have you noticed that trend? Yes, I think that now that we have a more sustainable and resilient um, thought process to treatment of wood, we take that material um, and use it in a more design-inspired fashion, meaning the um, patterns that we used to use on the wood um, 100 years ago, now we have the ability with technology um, to create a more intricate patterns. So we use the intricate patterns of the wood as um, basket weave, three-dimensional basket weave, um, which gives the flooring depth um, that looks um, three-dimensional, and we use that all the time um, to define space. So a space that is more public, living rooms, dining rooms, entry hallways, versus the bedrooms, which are more tranquil and quiet and has the border trim, for example, the wood allows us to create a, a terminology and DNA of a design that is completely different. It's, it's kind of like the thread that brings the horizontal floor with the vertical walls. Yeah, absolutely. That's far as critical. That is um, very interesting that you mentioned it because on top of different designs and different <coughs> formats, um, we're trying to take the experience of a hardwood floor to a different level. Mm -hmm. And we want to create a floor that tells the story of people. So there is a new way of producing floor. It's old, but right now it's getting popular, which is through reactive stains. Mm -hmm. What that means is that we apply uh, liquid on top of it, different kind of chemicals, and what it does, it changes the tannings of the wood. Wood is rich in tannings, 
especially European oak. That's what gives flavor to the wine. That's why it's used for barrels. So with the same process, what we are doing, it's applying reactive stains on top, and the wood under cells, the tannins, change naturally. That makes every floor completely unique, because depending on the DNA of that piece of wood, it will react differently. That creates crazy designs, and we are very excited about it. How do you think that will fit your science. Is that too crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy at all because what happens is that the individual, people today, generally speaking, want more individual, more unique um, finishes to the materials and specifically to the wood because the opportunity then is to make it unique for yourself. And just like most of us here in this room are made of the same parts, meaning God willing, heart, lungs, and everything is in order, at the end of the day, um, we are different from each other. For example, I have two boys um, from the same mother and hopefully the same father, but, <laughs> uh, but they are completely uh, different from each other. Yeah. And what you're talking about is the tanning and the tonality of the wooden material is very important because that creates an ambiance that changes the psychology and the emotional reaction of the individual within the space. But what's interesting is that the wood does what you're talking about naturally is the more the sun hits it, the more the bleach hits it, the more it becomes lighter or silver in its tonality. Yet, and so in nature, I believe that the tanning, the natural process is very important and it gives you a different feeling, a different atmosphere, different times of the day. And I think what you're doing is critical um, to continue to develop and continue to do. Um, going back to bleach, bleach is one actually of the reactive stains more popular there is in the world. It reacts very well with wood and it gives you a very white feeling. It's fantastic, the look of it, and it's completely natural. <clears throat> um, but for us, it's very hard to achieve the perfect colors. And the most critical aspect of it is inspiration. How do you do that? How do you feel inspiration and where do you get it? And do you have anything like routine to find inspiration? So I've been lucky that I've had inspiration for ideas come naturally to me. And I don't think that inspiration just comes from good times um, or happy events. I think inspiration also comes from bad times and tough trials and tribulations through life. And if you want to talk about the wood, the wood that you just mentioned that has the light tones and the bleached. But what is interesting is that I don't think the people care so much for how it, for it to be homogenous, right? They actually like the uniqueness of the variation in it. And I look for that. I look for that inspiration of the variations in the wood. And if it's in similar DNA and different tones, it feels good. Yet the more you look at it, you say, oh, this tone is a little bit different than this tone, and this detail is a little bit different than this detail, and the grain going in this direction. And I think it makes you appreciate the natural environment more. And in a way, it is the, the wood as it transforms is, for me, it's like when you pick it up on the beach, it's like the sand dune that you picked it up from. The sand dune changes and moves around, and so does the, um, the finish of the wood. And I think that's what makes it unique and special. I think also that's what people desire. And I think that's what gives people the, 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 the quiet peace of mind, the psychological comfort um, when they see that. And that is extremely important for us. Um, as you mentioned, <clears throat> one of our goals is to create sand spaces, spaces that are very calm, very quiet, tranquility in a very natural way. As you say, with different colors, different tones, we allow us to take out the noise of a room, which is really hard. But we focus a lot of that, and I feel that we share that vision, and that's where architecture is going. 
Um, how do you achieve that in a space? What is the most important thing in a space to achieve that tranquility, that zen? I think that the most, for me, the most important thing to do is to find the focus of the space. And many times for me is that I try to orient what it is that people see upon approach, upon arrival, and upon experience. So what I mean by that is, to give you an example, is that, that people will be familiar with is that you, you come, you're European, um, you come to a village, to a town, and you observe it on the hill or in the valley or around, and you see that there are structures or there might be a wall around, you see a steeple of a church. And then you walk into the town and you walk in and your experience becomes different because then you're compressed between the spaces. And when you look at the walls, the walls are compressing, but the floor is what you experience. Whether it's wood or stone, it's what you experience or it's sand. And then you come probably to a piazza or a plaza and you see the church that you saw from a distance and it's right there in front of your face. So it's like boom. And then you get the wow effect. And I think that using natural materials like wood is what we use to give you that wow punch effect. That that you mentioned is uh, extremely important, the light. When I was designing floors, I, I worked in the factory in Spain for four years. When we were designing floors and colors, <clears throat> for example, uh, for a project that you were part of in Arte Surfside, I was there when we were designing the floors in the factory, and we thought they were perfect. The light, it was summer, the light was amazing, we thought it was perfect. We shipped it over here, the architects and the designers, I don't know if you were part of it, saw it and they were like, right, this is not what we wanted. And they put it to the sample that we created a couple of weeks ago. It was different. We had to do it again fully. It was, it was a learning curve, you know. But it happens to us a lot that we create a design, we work on it in a season of the year, in December or whatever, when the light is lower. And when we bring it to the market and we see it here in Miami, it's not what we expected. And there is, we can go back because we can stop production and do it again and improve it. And it happens pretty often. But what happens with you when you do a building? Has this ever happened to you? Yes. So <laughs> the, the sample that you're talking about, you know, because we were working on that with Antonio's office and Patricia. And when the material came, I said, no, we should take it. We should accept it um, because it is a little bit different. And just like most buildings that we do, we do, um, we put the stone and the wood together, right? And when you go to Arte, you have wood on the floor and then you have the stone on the ceilings. But when you look at the stone also, stone is, has different hues and tones to it. So when your material for, first came originally, I said, no, I want to accept it, I want to take it. And, and some people would say, oh no, it's not what we originally wanted. I said, as the light changes in the tropical sunlight, which is different than the sun that you would have in, in the Mediterranean or the northern sun that I would have in Minneapolis, Minnesota or in Germany or Scandinavia, I believe that the tonality of the wood is important to be to come as it is. And I think it has a story to tell. So that's why wood, for me, and that's why I took this meeting, is essential for design, for discovery, for materials and finishes. Because when you take the wood yeah, with the stone or the jeans or the metal or the copper or the bronze is what gives the design a special platform Absolutely. that most people don't understand. The, it's very interesting that you mentioned that because that's exactly what we were looking for when we created Riva. Our brand is Riva Spain. We want to make sure that our DNA from Spain is known. And also the name Riva comes from the boats that were used in Venice to go through the canals, the kind of uh, reddish boats. And those boats are very special because everything is made of natural elements. 
They have wood, steel, glass. That's all they have on the boats, no plastic, nothing. And that truly makes a huge connection with the people inside of it. It creates a level of comfort, of tranquility, that is uncomparable with anything else. And I think that every day more, we want to feel part of nature, we want to be connected with it, and fake elements are more and more lacking personality. And that's what people are looking for. And I'll take a step further. I think that as environment or the, 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 the desire to use the natural material, I think that what you and I are seeing, that specifically in wood, that you will still have the material finish on the car or the engineered wood like we discussed, yet it will be used in a more contemporary treatment, more modern treatment. And what I mean by that is that, for example, the material of the wood um, to wrap around you, because the wood that I can take, the wood that you put on the floor, and I can take the same material and put it on the door, I can put it on the wall, I can put it on the ceiling, and the more I can be within that wooden box, um, the more peace and quiet it gives me. And uh, I'll give you an example. I, I lived in the Caribbean from the late 80s to the early 90s. And all the floors, of course, are wood. And uh, the sound and the feeling of the wood as it dries and gets moisture in it is what gives it the personality, right? And you get to know, oh, here I don't step on this step this way, but I step on the side and I won't make the noise, but if I want to make the noise, I'll step on it. When you start to get that kind of personal with certain objects, it gives you a sense of thought and a sense that opens up the way you can experience your senses. And that also reverts back to the discussion that you know you asked me about Riva and about what it is that you do with wood because I think that the experience of the wood is critical. And what I mean by that is that I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right? So most of our wood there would be poplar or it would be um, birch or it would be um, materials that are more uh, uh, in the north. And in the north, the wood is different than it is in the south. What I mean by that is if I take material um, and wood that we have up north, it would basically, the, the termites here and the, uh, the insects would eat that wood up because the maple and so forth is very sweet. And they would, for them, it's like sugar. Yeah. And so we need the hardwoods that we would be able to get in South and Central America and the density of it, right? And so what happens is that that material bleaches and tones in different hues than the northern wood. And I think that the more you can understand and appreciate that, the more you can become cognizant that wood is like us, like humans. And it is different. And I think that's what makes it special. I think that's what makes it so appealing that when I meet you and or... I, I gave you the example of my sons. You meet one, one son one day, and you meet the other one. It's like day and night. And I think that that's what makes us designers and architects what makes the spaces more unique and special. Because as we design it from house to house and home to home, it feels completely different. We did a house. And the wood floor, upstairs and downstairs, uh, in the bleach materials that you're talking about. And it does reflect the light in a different uh, fashion. But what I can tell you is that with the kids running around, barefoot and playing and laying, it gives it a certain comforting, right? It's like somebody holding you and touching you that you're not going to get from vinyl and you're not going to get it from um, a man-made uh, materials or ceramic. Yeah, ceramic floors have a, a, a coolness material to them. Um, and the closest thing that I can get to wood is stone. And what I mean by that is that I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was born 
in Israel, and I studied monasteries and cloisters around the Alps. The monks and the monasteries of why they would take the wood and make it into paper to write down the Bible and the history and the paintings to carry on to the next generations. But the libraries in a monastery were always made out of wood, whether it was a table or the floor, because that's where people spend time. Because if they would walk on the stone, they would get a, the, on the cold floors, they would get, a, what do you call it, uh, arthritis. So you have to understand that for health reasons and health purposes, the wood is why you would want to walk on it rather than uh, on a cold uh, concrete or a cold stone floor. And those are the kind of thoughts and ideas that you, as a fourth generation, would, should carry on more because four generations is you know, only a couple of hundred years most. The point is that you have, we as designers, manufacturers, as vendors, I think we're all in the same responsibility. Um, we have the, uh, the opportunity to create a design that is unique and different into the next generations. And when you look at the pictures that people have on their iPhones and, and so forth, you'll see a lot of pictures that have forests and wood and natural materials in it, more so than anything else. Um, so that's kind of what I strive for. It's what I look for. And uh, I think, and that's why I took this opportunity to sit here with you. Um, my last question. If you have to define wood with one word, what, uh, what would that be? Comfort. All right. I like that. For me, it's life. <laughs> For you, it's life, yeah, and life is, is a, you know, it gets back to that, which is the tree of life and, and so forth. But, um, you know, many people who know me intimately will tell you that I love trees, right? I love planting trees, I love raising trees, I love growing trees, and um, all kinds of trees. Maybe we can do a project in Miami about that. We can do that. That could be really cool. Yeah, and it would be my pleasure, and I love to... Because for me, trees define are the architecture of the environment. They create the space. So you have the tree with the branches that gives you the top, and then you have the, the, the walls of the trees. And whether you're in the tropics with the coconut trees, right, or whether you are in an oak uh, trees. And it's important because it's interesting just before I spoke to you, at the end of Lincoln Road, we're looking to bring back more natural vegetation. And the landscape architect on it is uh, Raymond. So I was texting Raymond, and he goes, oh, you know, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, you're so busy, I'm so busy, you're so busy. <laughs> Let's sit down for cafecito, right? So I said, okay, whenever you want. So he said, I'm so busy. I said, he says to me, what about this weekend? I said, yes. So he has an office that I want to go to because my office is also cool and hip, and his office is floating. Have you ever been to his office? It's up in the air about five meters, and it's just concrete, but it has walls and glass. And the floors are wood, which you like, but the reason is it's surrounded by oak trees and coconut grove. So you see the trees. You are within the trees. And I think that that kind of uh, feeling about the material that has life is what makes you feel inside good. And that's, you know, that is really, for me, the, uh, the comforting thing. And uh, I'm happy you came here today. Kobe, it's been my pleasure. I have a little gift I want to give you. Um, please, Thank you. if you can open it on... Oh, it's beautiful. So this is hopefully a symbol that we can write the story and keep writing the story of Miami together through architecture, design, and nature. So I'll tell you, because you brought this here, and uh, you brought a fountain pen. And uh, so my younger son just started college in Colombia a year ago, smart guy. And uh, he came to me and said, you know, 
I want a Mont Blanc pan. I said, why do you want a Mont Blanc pan? He said, I want a Mont Blanc pan because JFK had it. You know, that's one of his heroes. And then uh, he said, you want Mont Blanc pan? I said, yes, yes. So when I grew up in Israel, in 1973, we had a war. And my father was in the northern region in the war. And um, so the war back then happened with tanks. And my father was in the Israeli army, and there was a Syrian army that came across. And they came across. And one of the tanks that they shot, and you're not supposed to take from the enemy, you know, any paraphernalia. He found um, outside of a tank a Mont Blanc pen. Oh, wait. And the Mont Blanc pen belonged, you know, it shows you that, that the people who were fighting the war they really did not want to be there. They were really sophisticated people with intelligentsia and brain. And, and, and uh, the pen, because they shot the tank, Things flew out of the tank, people, helmets, including this pen. It was partially burnt. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Kobe. It's been my pleasure, and hopefully we can do many more projects together. I'm sure we will. Thank you. Thank you.